here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. All right, folks. Happy Sunday evening. Your two drop zone co-hosts coming to you. One from his flat in St. Andrews. The other in his childhood living room. That's right. <laughs> Dylan DeChair here, coming to you from Williamstown, Massachusetts, on the road to the U.S. Open, and Sean back home after an exhausting, busy, uh, I don't know, groundbreaking, revolutionary, maybe underwhelming, we'll see. Unsettling. Unsettling, Unsettling kind of the term I'm going week with. at the Live Golf Invitational, the inaugural breakaway event of the new Saudi-backed series. Sean, how are you? I'm good, man. I've been laughing for the last half hour because Rory McIlroy dunked on Greg Norman when all, not all hope, but when a lot of hope was lost for the PGA Tour like a couple days ago, uh, Rory won today and decided to use his post-round interview with uh, Amanda Renner and just decided, you know, I don't know, Amanda tossed him the alley-oop and he slammed it home. Uh, or maybe he tossed himself the alley-oop. All I know is that I've been laughing about it because for all the reasons that people talk about the NBA and say, this league, we have that now. Yeah. <laughs> this tour, this these tours, this pro golf world is a drama. And that's the best way to put it. It really is. Um, all right. Well, I want to dive into your week and your impressions um, because, I mean, you wrote a, a terrific wrap-up piece um, at the conclusion of play yesterday. You were you were, you were were kind of firing this week. I mean, the kid was oh. doing some real-life reporting, some observing, some chatting with insiders. So a lot of good stuff on golf.com. <laughs> uh, but first, I do want to tell the good people, at home, the listeners about Radmore Golf. Look, if you've been listening to the Drop Zone, you already know. But have you taken action? Have you gone to RadmoreGolf.com <laughs> and purchased a nice new hoodie? Have you dived into the summer line, Sean? The new, the band collar polos. Have you explored? I know who them? has. Who's that? My uncle. My uncle Eric texted me. He has a golf buddies annual like summer tournament that he plays mm -hmm. he bought he bought uh radmore shirts for everyone wow like he's no not even kidding. just buying for himself i know i told uh, did him he you're, use a, his, you're our best listener did he use his uh did he use his discount code oh yeah for sure i right. hope so he also he also went back and even though uh rock form has stopped running uh ads on our podcast the the rock form 20% off is still good. Too, oh, that's so. good to know. He, he, bought a, he bought a speaker as well. Um, all right. Well, the key here is you head to uh, radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com. Type in code DROPZONE for 25% off. Maybe some new people interested. RJ Mankey, Radmore athlete. Just made his first cut and his first start oh, in the Corn Ferry Tour. Did it, he officially signed? Oh, this is breaking news. We'll officially the break the news you've been later. Sitting on for a while. This is a pre-breaking news part as part of this ad read. Um, all right, Sean. Also, want to tell people about Inside Golf, and that is 
just, I mean, the best deal on the internet. I, I mentioned this last week, but it's just, it's, it's free money. Uh, you're getting over a hundred dollars in value for $20 per year. You get exclusive deals. You get a subscription to the magazine. You get exclusive content, including Sean, we are doing a chat tomorrow, interactive zoom chat that you can get access to. You can ask us questions. You can ask, you can, if you're unsatisfied with this podcast, you're like, why didn't Dylan ask Sean this? Boom. You're there. You get $20 or you get, you pay $20. You get about a thousand dollars worth of goodness right in that one chat tomorrow. So anyway, all you have to do is go to golf.com slash inside drop zone, golf.com slash inside drop zone. You have anything to add? Uh, further announcements. I will not be on the podcast from Brookline. Uh, um, but, but Claire Rogers, everyone's favorite and Luke Curtinine, everyone's other favorite will be joining you midweek from Boston. So folks, it'll be the second straight week in which Dylan has hosted the podcast without me, which is, he's getting pretty good. Yikes. So let's, let's, let's move on though. Let's talk about, let's talk about live it all. It's, I mean, this had to be the craziest week. I think you could call it the craziest week in golf history. Wow. That, I mean, that's a could big you name statement. A, could, I don't know. It, what about like, like it, when it, the PGA both, tour broke <laughs> off from the, whatever I get lost yeah. in, in the acronyms, Yeah, but, um, there have been but some it could be like, ones. I guess what I'm trying to say is it we don't know, I think right now, if it is, we don't know that it will be, but it might have been. I'll qualify it that way. The fact that Live Golf Investments ran their first event extremely successfully across the world, I believe five time zones away, maybe six. Yeah, five time zones away from Toronto, uh, where the 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 crown prince of the pj tour wins dunks on the ceo like there's players getting suspended players who got suspended acting like it's not a big deal other players essentially saying oh you know we're gonna get into litigation about this stuff yep. it it was just like the news kept humming you wrote you were kind of the, the 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 manager of the story of updates on golf.com and you I gave were, up eventually head, Sean once we hit the weekend <laughs> your head was spinning <laughs> oh man all right well i want to start with a big picture question then get to a whole bunch of specifics so big picture was this a successful launch for live golf for sure yeah no doubt yeah undoubtedly a successful launch in part, in part because I'm I'm trying to think of like a moment where they did something like really wrong, where they did something incorrectly. Now there was a couple moments where there were some tenuous situations with media, you know, mm. Rob Harris from the AP, uh, Alan Shipnuck from the Fire Pit Collective, both had run-ins with security, um, both that were I think like frankly handled. If there's gonna be a run in, they're probably handled as well as a run in it could have been. But I'm looking at I'm looking at the other stuff and like what what happened on the Live Golf Tour, the Live Golf series, whatever. That was uh, a mistake for them. That yeah. was bad for them. They happened to put on a good. Well, I'm not gonna use that word. They happened to put on a successful event in their eyes with a ton of money being funneled into it, and all they did was get more players to join their series. So. For sure successful. I mean, Greg Norman was 
last night, like verbally beating his chest <laughs> up on the platform, basically saying like a lot of people tried to shut us down. Yeah. They couldn't. Well, so. yeah. I mean, so you're exactly right. It was a successful week. You think about where we were a week ago. I mean, <laughs> the the names that have dropped since then. Well, I guess we knew Dustin Johnson a little more than a week ago. But, you know, you get Phil Mickelson, you get Bryson DeChambeau, you get Patrick Reed. Uh the fact that Charles Schwartzel won $4.75 million on Saturday is yeah. not even, I, I don't think that that's necessarily a strike for or against the league because you are going to have guys saying, are you serious? That guy, the guy who hasn't, you know, been particularly relevant on the PGA four. Tour in forever, he is winning the equivalent of, you know, three of whatever Rory just won. Yeah, that's why I would consider it in terms of who matters here, who matters in this in this world are the best golfers in the world. Mm-hmm. It's a strike for live because a dude who hasn't won in six years won. And a guy who finished in second place took home two point eight million. Like there are yeah, I don't know how what the actual number is, but there's about a thousand golfers in the world who are really, really, really good and who could play their way conceivably onto the PGA tour. Um, which just means that there was 952 who thought, Holy cow, Charles Schwartz did it. Like he's the one <laughs> yeah. um, that caught, like if Dustin Johnson went out and won, if he like won by three this week and he, DJ took home the four million, four and a half million. Yeah. Everyone would have been like, Oh, well that's expected. But the fact that an unexpected dude takes home more money than a lot of people are going to make all year long. That's what, that's what they wanted to show, right? That's what their value is. We got all the money. Come get some of it. Let's do a little FAQ um, and buzz through your week. First, Sean, how was the draft? You got a little bit of exclusive sneaky reporter inside access to this draft. Was it Cool, weird, uh, exciting, anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think all of those things, honestly, because I think I texted you this. If I woke up like two years ago mm-hmm. and was just like brought out of my coma at the, the Live Golf draft, I would have thought, holy cow, golf got extremely cool in some weird way. We're, we, this is chaotic, but yeah. you know, this is like the other sports. This is what, this is what the end people watch NFL draft coverage all weekend long yes. because they want to know who's joining teams. This is golf's version of that. That's so interesting. That said, it was just sensory overload. Mm. You know, it, it, it felt like a European club. It's dark inside. There's lights flashing. There's people like walking around with with drink plates and PGA Tour players are schmoozing amongst the guests. They all know that they're about to be drafted. And the only thing that was super fraudulent about it was that they kind of knew who they were going to be drafted. Yes. (laughs) Underreported, except by you, I would say. It's just the fact that the team that Uh, won, (laughs) the team that dominated... Yeah, it was, it was an inside job. They were cooking the so, books. They were cooking the books. So we knew the 12 captains, and we knew that it's a 48-man field, which meant that there were theoretically 36 players available to be drafted. 
But within that 48 man field, I believe there were 17 players that were technically like mm-hmm. committed to spoken the series for. spoken for. And if any of those players really wanted to play uh, that weren't captains, if they wanted to play with a specific captain and that specific captain wanted them, they could come to a pre-draft agreement. So Ian Poulter put his arm around his English buddies and nabbed Lee Westwood, Sam Horsfield, and uh, gosh, I'm forgetting the, the third uh, Brit that played on their team. And uh, the Majestics is, is their team. But anyway, Ian Poulter didn't actually make a draft pick. He was in the middle of the draft, Weird. but he didn't actually make a draft pick. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen had this laminated uh, sheet in front of him at the draft. He's up on stage and he's looking down and it says, please pick any of the available players with your first <laughs> pick. Please pick Charles Schwartzel with your second pick and please pick Brandon Grace with your third pick because this whole thing was at least being televised uh, or or captured by Live Golf cameras so they had to make it look as real as possible so they're in the yeah. third round waiting waiting for louis oosthuizen to choose him was brandon grace a guy <laughs> who holds the record for 62 uh in a major championship who has contended for majors and charles schwartzel who's not you know he's nothing to be scoffed at was waiting for him in the second round being drafted after guys that are definitely worse golfers than him so the only reason that became an issue is because at, at the end of the day, Charles wins. Henny Duplessis was the number one pick by Oosthuizen. He finishes second. Brandon yeah. Grace finishes third. And Louis <laughs> finishes like eighth. So they ran away with the team title, but it wasn't really a legit draft. How many people were on property, Sean? At the draft or at the? Well, draft, practice rounds, and then each round. The draft was a packed house of, of VIPs. Mm-hmm. The name Trump was on the guest list. Oh, but not in yeah. attendance? Not in attendance, as far as I knew. Um, I was looking for my name on the guest list. It was not there, but yeah. Z is not too far down from TR, so that's why I saw it. Um, I would say 300 people at the draft, and on course... I believe the first couple of days, maybe 3,000. Hmm. And then the rumored number for the final day was like 8,000. Okay. Um, Which was quote unquote sold out. Quote unquote sold out. They did put a cap on it. Really hard to take everything that Live Golf says uh, for, you know, absolute truth. Yeah. Because um, there was a lot of, a lot of deceit on the, on that property that weekend, particularly just by the, you know, the players. But um yeah. What was interesting about it is that if I just went to the first tee and just saw Phil Mickelson tee off on the first hole on Thursday, it looks like a legit first hole. It looked like a legit crowd around there. Um, that said, I watched Phil and those groups play one, two, and three. And as they're finishing up on the third hole, I went back to the first and there goes Matt Jones and Brandon Grace walking down the hole and there was not a single fan <laughs> on the entire first hole watching yeah. those guys. <clears throat> um, which is just a little reminder that like, yes, there are some stars in this thing. And then there are some guys who are not stars, but yeah. they're still playing for the same amount of, uh, of purse. And, um, oddly enough, Brandon Grace, like waxed Phil Mickelson. So, well, and uh, really there are how many stars Phil, 
DJ. I mean, after that, after that, it got a little tough this week. Like Louis Oosthuizen is not a star. You know, he no, might be ranked lovable. pretty high. In he's the a lovable role role character. He's a he's a character yeah. actor. Great supporting <laughs> role. Um, but yeah, no, definitely takes a completely different tenor. Uh, the thing to me about Liv is that, you know, you referenced they're not quite being sure if they're telling the truth about certain things, which is it, it's well taken. But the rumors that spread about Liv seem to generally end up being true so far. Uh, well, the recent rumors, I would say, there for a while they were all all rumors and no reality. But man, this week it seemed like, oh yeah, well, it sounds like. Sounds like they're going to get Bryson last second here, and then boom, sure enough. Sounds like they're going to get mm-hmm. Pat Perez. He's going to do an about face. Boom. Um, and then I think we're going to see a few more names dropping. I don't know if it's going to be during the U.S. Open, but certainly uh, there's going to be a, a boatload of reporters on site at Brookline. So if players are going to spill, you know, we'll find out something this week about who else is considering it. Totally. That... I've heard now from a lot of people, enough people to even go to ahead tell and us. include it in my writing, <laughs> that that just say that everything changed when Dustin Johnson committed. Mm. Everything changed. The fact that he committed for a certain number changed the numbers of other players. The fact that he committed at all completely made Pat Perez interested. He and DJ are good friends. They talked about it on the broadcast. Pat Perez says DJ is 100% the reason why Pat Perez is involved. There have been plenty of people who have, you know, very involved at the Live Live Golf Series and in, you know, in its orbit that have basically just said like Dustin changed the entire scope of this thing. And what's so funny about it to me is that DJ is just not being vindictive to the PGA Tour at all. It feels like some yep. people are. It feels like Phil Mickelson is. It feels like Kevin Na sort of is. It feels like Graham McDowell is. Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter kind of a little vindictive towards the PGA Tour. DJ doesn't feel like it at all. DJ says, I want to play less golf. I don't want to play until I'm 50. Yeah. I want to play fewer tournaments. No hard feelings. I wanna... Yep. And I want to win the majors, whatever. But yeah. if I don't, yeah, who cares? So I want to kind of ride off into the sunset, spend more time with my family. Um, and it's somehow that's the dude that that changed the scope of this thing. And like you, I think you're exactly right. There are more names coming down the pike. It might be it very well might be top ten players. Yeah. So everything's changed. I think you just outlined it right there. DJ it, I mean, and sort of outlines the weakness of both tours right there is like on the one hand the pga tour is like you guys are suspended and there's a lot of gravity behind this statement and they're you know jay monahan talked about it today on the cbs broadcast like the the weight of it all how there's definitely something personal about it all and dj's like yeah i'm good like i am i don't care i'm playing on this tour i would love to play the majors Basically, like, I don't think DJ would really have the intention of playing many PGA Tour events, even if they were all open to him. So, yeah, that's pretty weird. On the other hand, the fact that most of these guys stated intentions of joining this tour are like, yeah, I'm excited to play less and make more money and not really have to, like, worry about it. That's the opposite of how you're actually going to build an exciting tour. Like, 
all right, we, we've talked about Formula One a lot, but the reason that we talk about it is because they make everything seem important there. Like whether someone finishes, you know, 10th or 9th or, you know, 11th or 10th, like in the points, that stuff all matters. I, from my early experience watching Liv thrown on the live stream, nothing matters. It, like, Charles wants to win because he didn't get a big piece of that, whatever, $125 million signing bonus that some other guys got. But I don't know. The stakes are are high monetarily, but it doesn't really come across. That's for sure. No. I was there... For the beginning and end of every single round this week. And I did not care about a golf shot until (laughs) the last one that went in. And that is going to sound to people who support this live tour as hyperbole. It's going to sound like I have an axe to grind. But Charles Schwartzel, he he, he went out front and and took like a three-shot lead. I think he had a four-shot lead at one point. The only time it was a one-shot lead was on the 18th hole yeah. when he was cleaning up a bogey. And so I I truly was not inspired to watch any shot because none of them seemed to to have great... Like, you know, of course, Henny DuPlessis wanted to win and not take second. Of course, yeah. he, would have, he, would have, he would have made two more million dollars. Of course, he really wanted that. But did he feel bad for not winning? Hell no. Did Brandon Grace like go right up to the lead negotiator of all the contracts at Live Golf when it had ended and bear hug the guy after he finished in third place? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he did. The biggest embrace that I saw on Saturday was Brandon Grace going right up to the guy who negotiates all the contracts for Live Golf and just about picked the guy up off the ground because there's a lot of people in the executive level and slightly below that level at Live Golf who have worked extremely hard to make this thing happen to make it go smoothly and it was in, in, in it was in it was a, shell, a celebration they were absolutely celebrating that they got to the finish line uh and it really went off without a blip yeah i mean and it did like and, and also they're celebrating because that going off means these guys got paid i would imagine mm-hmm. you know different people to different extents um let's talk about phil mickelson our man rolled in hot what on tuesday uh showed up leather jacket to the draft party instantly became a meme um yeah i mean he still has <laughs> thanks to you scruffy <laughs> facial hair going on <laughs> i mean maybe i was the first one to kind of drop those photos on the internet, but it was definitely inevitable. Um, yeah. What did <laughs> Spencer Hall has really been dropping a lot of, a lot of good ones. He posted every day. What did he say today? If, if you pretend to be a valet, it's not grand theft auto. It's just <laughs> Phil standing there by himself, <laughs> just staring into the camera. And the one of him next to Dustin Johnson is just sort of shocking. DJ is like this perfectly tanned, uh, you know, coming off his wedding basically as put together as DJ will ever look in his entire life. And Phil looks different. What was your energy from Phil all week long? 
as weird as he has ever looked. And I feel so confident saying that because Phil is a guy with energy. Yeah. And I'm assuming he, when you say looked, you don't just mean like sort of physically like his physical appearance, but just his overall no, vibe was just. No, everything he did was as as odd as I've ever seen him. The This is a guy who has spent 30 years on the PGA Tour being a, a true media darling. He has taken, you know, taken to writers and helped them with stories that they couldn't otherwise have finished. He was exclusive sources on plenty of things. You know, he has great relationships with a lot of the media. He put me through a, his fasting program and texted me yes, all throughout Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> like he has been that way forever. Yeah. And he showed up at Centurion Club with his aviators on and not another logo on his body and just a sign that, okay, things are different. And then he was asked about sports washing. He was asked about the PGA tour, potential bands. Are you serving a band right now? Whatever. And he squirmed and he sat there and was calculated and he waited till questions were fully asked one at a time, not two at a time. And he would pause for as many as five seconds at a time and then deliver his answer. It was extremely obvious that he was getting media training, which is completely his right. Yeah. He's, he's gone. He's gone through uh, very public um, transgressions and it was not this, it was not the same fill. You know, he warmed up on the far side of the range, far away from fans. Um, he, was treated like he normally was treated once the golf started. The fans adored him at Centurion Club. The people who were out there were people in like pretty rabid support for Phil. And um, he was basically, you know what he kind of reminded me of? He kind of reminded me of Phil at Kiowa. Uh, it's interesting. He, I was going to say that because he was pretty weird at Kiowa. When he was winning. He was weird. He was, and he was talking about how he needed to be so focused. Yes. And he was so, he was so cautious. He was, uh, he spoke so slowly. He took as few questions as he possibly could. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was on a strange edge the whole week, but it really worked out well well, for him that week. Not, not as well this week. He was, he was very much on an edge and shot 10 over par this week. Um, But the moments where he showed the absolute most energy are when this guy, Majed Al-Sarur, showed up on the tee. It happened on the first tee Those on dudes Thursday. love each other. It happened on the third tee on Friday. That's the guy that Phil has been giving really, really big hugs to. And that guy is the head of the Saudi Golf Foundation. He is managing director of Live Golf. He is an advisor to the Public Investment Fund. He is, in a way... Saudi golf embodied and Do you have anything to do with you know what? Newcastle or no? It's just that's Yeah, he's yeah. a new director of Newcastle. Okay, that's what I thought. United Football Club. Do you think there's and a chance so, Phil's going to get on the pitch? He's just angling for, for the second sport for this whole sure. time. Phil's going to be for playing sure. left midi. <laughs> well, not like actually competing, but I would be You know what? That's a great. I would put it at even odds that at some point in the next 12 months or the next premiere season, Phil makes an appearance in the box 
uh, Newcastle United game. Um, the, the, the weirdness of that is just that, you know, this entire thing is about money. It is for the players. It is about nothing more than that. I, I feel extremely yeah. confident in saying that, um, they will tell you that it is about this invigorating format is about this, you know, I'll, you know what? It's about the money and the schedule. Uh, it's both of those things, not just the money. Um, and that is all a creation of this guy, Majid Al-Saror and Greg Norman and these other Saudi um, live, you know, connective tissues. Um, so maybe that's why <laughs> Phil Mickelson is bear hugging this guy. Um, it It is... It was something I didn't quite understand the connective tissue of because Phil's gone dark for four months. Yeah. Um, but it was it was on display more than anything, particularly for Phil all week. What else should people know about your experience <laughs> on the grounds? I mean, they're like just sort of sights and sounds type stuff. We're, we're, oh yeah, sure. how how were the fans? Because I saw really conflicting reports about that. I know you mentioned that the number of them, but were they? There was some enthusiasm for Phil and DJ, but then there were definitely reports of kind of a sleepy vibe. Like, <laughs> yeah. were they into well, it? Yes. Um, where the fans moved in like groups, they were very into it. Yeah. And I think if they opened this thing up to more fans, more probably would have come. Um, and so I would expect more fans at the uh, state, the events in the States for live golf. Um, did it like on the opposite end of the property? Like was anyone going out to the 14th hole yeah. as play started? Hell no. Yeah. 14th hole was extremely, as basically as far away from the first hole as you can get. There's a reason they drove players out there because you ain't getting there on your two feet. Um, I didn't even make it out to that corner of the property <laughs> all week long. I was say, yeah, so you were one of them. The shotgun start, like, it's hard to draw conclusions on what live will be in terms of fan engagement based off of just this, because it was the first one, because it was yeah. at a course that really wasn't great for moving around. Um, but I think that they were happy to be there. Um, the, there was no protesting of anything. Like, again, this is probably the biggest golf controversy that has taken place since I was on the beat. And um, there was, I was expecting some people to, to show up and maybe protest. I didn't see any of that. No one is yelling, you know, blood money or anything like that. Um, I could see that happening in the States. I could see that happening in Portland, the yeah. next live event. Um, well, I mean, this week, the U.S. Open. The For sure. But um, the fan village, I think, falls into the same category as if I went to sleep two years ago and I woke up this week, I would think this is kind of cool. <laughs> like, yeah. and you know what? It, it works for a shotgun start event because there is right. Like there's four and a half hours of action of golf on the course and the gates open three hours beforehand. Oh, like, if you're going to, br yeah. if you're going to bring the family and you want to go watch some golf, like, you can tucker the kids out by sending them to the village. If if you and your family want to do something and you want to go watch the golf and your wife doesn't much care for it or or vice versa, go to the fan village. Like yeah. 
as much as much as it's forced, it is 100% a forced entity. Like they had these um, fake British phone booths standing out there. And a lot of these kind of like forced kind of old British um, motifs, as much as that felt forced and cheeky and cheesy and whatever. Good for Instagram. People, pe- yeah, good for Instagram. People gravitated toward it. They couldn't not. Like at some point it's, there's a DJ on a hill playing music and you're going to kind of walk that way because you want to check it out. Like that's just, that's how it works. And then there was concerts every single night. There was hundreds of people attending the concerts every single night. They're going to try to do that at every single stop in the States. So hundreds does not really impress me when you say that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, like I think in the range of, four to 500 people attending after, you know, late at night after the event's been done when only like 3000 were there to begin with. It's not that bad of a, of a success rate. Um, Fair. But I don't know. I don't know that it matters, man. If you bring, I don't know that any of it matters. Yeah. (laughs) I, well, I'll tell you one thing. The money doesn't matter to the organizers, right? There, it is, Endless, that's one thing that when I was training down from St. Andrews, I wanted to understand if this cliche that everyone has said, probably ourselves included, that the the Saudi Arabian public investment fund has endless money and they intend to use it to sports wash through these events. Like this is these this is where it's gonna be visual. Will I will it feel like there's endless money? And I think unquestionably, that's what I learned. There, there is endless money. It's no doubt. I don't want the last 35 minutes of what we discussed to necessarily make it sound like you and I are in great support of this thing because like, just because an event was pulled off. No, I don't think it necessarily sounds that way. Just because an event was successful doesn't mean that I think it's better than the PGA Tour. Doesn't mean that... Uh, I was like impressed with every aspect of it. I spent most of the weekend looking at players dead in the face and frankly being lied to um, <laughs> to varying degrees. Yeah, and that was that was debilitating. Like at the end of the week, I was extremely tired uh, of just kind of being deceived. So I think that's a heavy price that these guys are paying for their. I agree. Massive, massive amounts of money. I think this there's just there's something there's something that's pretty serious that it's so easy to be dismissive of like oh yeah you do you do whatever to go play golf for you know whatever it is 30 million dollars or something but i don't know man like if the alternative is you're playing golf for 40% of that money you know when you talk about endorsement deals on course earnings pga tour prize whatever the the fact that you can really be yourself and not be in any way like ashamed of anything that the PGA Tour is doing, not to say the PGA Tour has its hands completely clean, but like the fact that the fact that like Jay Monahan actually did say today, he said, you know, you don't really have to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that suddenly these guys are just in the crosshairs of kind of everybody that they can't really be themselves, they can't really, you know, be honest. They have to pretend that all parts of this thing are a certain way. Like 
you the argument began about free agency and independent contractors and that's been a lot of the discussion and ironically it's these guys that seem to have lost a lot of their ability to to speak out um yeah, you're no longer independent. If Sergio dog, has a bad you, day. He you're can't, just a contractor. He can't sh- go shred the course, uh, shred the organizers, etc. Like you, you're in it. And if someone gives you fifty million dollars, a hundred million dollars, that means that someone has given you're an you employee fifty, a hundred million dollars. You, there is a debt there whether it's literal or just sort of implied, like you owe that person something in return. There's no such thing as a free lunch, Sean. There's no such thing as a free start to the Live Series. What was clear, though, is that it became easier and easier as the week went on for these guys to uh, band together, to feel emboldened, to look right back at the press and say, no, I don't care about a ban. You can't ban me because I've resigned. Yeah. Make me ineligible, that's fine, but I'm not. I'm not suspended. I'll tell you that much. I'm not. A, I'm not suspended if I'm not a member. Um, so, it it, they, it became clear that they they could say what they need to say. But this was this is event one, right? Event two is in Portland. Event three, I don't know where it is. Don't exactly know. That's all right. Eventually, it, we're going to get to the the Trump to Chicago, the Trump part of the schedule Trump. also, which is really yes. going to accelerate the. <clears throat> <laughs> I, every everything in this goddamn world, Sean, has become just a partisan divide, and it's it's so it's such a shame. But somehow this thing is going to end up being the the MAGA league, and it's just a it's a weird it's a weird weird road that we're going down, and it doesn't really make sense that any of this is turning out this way. Well, but that's and what that might be getting out over my skis with that. But that's kind of how this is starting to feel. I don't think you're getting too far out over your skis. I think it will, oddly enough, happen. Like those events are going to happen during election season. Mm. So there's there's that too. Yes, um, the Doral event is right around. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Just after midterms? Uh, might be before. Maybe just before. Um, I remember you wrote about that yeah. one or the other. We we really are just getting started, and um, you know, I don't think the people from Live will be listening to this. But if they are, they're not going to like this comparison. But I couldn't help but think when I woke up this morning after seeing everything happen yesterday, seeing the ceremony, which was like a joyous celebration, um, more so, gosh, more so for the employees of the organization than even just the players. Um, I couldn't help but think that I was, and and I've already shared this with you, so you won't be surprised, but I couldn't help but think I was in a villain's lair watching them (laughs) go about their business thinking that they cannot be beaten by Superman or by Batman. Like I think, I think the comparison I shared to you is like that, like dark layer that Bane had, uh, you know, or it's under the sewers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what like, I felt like I was seeing is Bane you know, Batman's back is broken and he's down and out and Bane thinks that he's down forever. Um, but what I just, I don't know who Batman is <laughs> in this comp. Jay? But I, but I think we're like early in one of those type of movies where it's like, hey, if there's a villain here, 
Well, the bad guys are currently winning. Yeah. All right, a couple things, Sean. Uh, one, just you know, sort of based on on talking points that people have that are either pro live or you know, sort of anti narrative. One is um, sort of what you just mentioned: competition is good, and I'm intrigued to see if that's true because it's possible that it is. I mean, the Canadian Open certainly got a little more juice because of the the backdrop that Liv gave it. And the other thing that I just want to yeah. talk briefly about is. Uh, people really have the sense that the media is in the bag for the PGA tour. And I guess I would say that's kind of true. Like, and probably in a way that it should be, that's not to say that the media is pro PGA tour necessarily. Like, I think that the media is more critical of the PGA tour than, your average golf fan. I mean, we've talked about ways to revamp and and re-up the PGA Tour in all kinds of different ways. Um, But I think being for the PGA Tour just essentially means that what we have watched in professional golf for our entire lives has mattered. And that what Tiger Woods has, has helped set up as... Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson have helped set up as, you know, one of the major sports in America and around the world, that stuff has mattered. And that these tournaments that have um, a certain tradition and legacy, and God, I I hate using those words because it just sounds like stodgy golf stuff. But it's like, all right, if you suddenly have a bunch of NBA players playing for a new championship and it's not the NBA championship, suddenly you're like, well, wait a minute. I kind of liked that we were all invested in that thing and it meant something to us because we knew it was going to come yeah. around every year. Like, w- yeah, I think the, the media is pro quo. PGA tour because, <laughs> um, because we have written about the fact that this stuff matters and, and we know that it's important to people. So I guess yeah. that's why it's- the status quo, the status quo is comfortable and it is maintained. Like it's been maintained because it makes all the right sense. Um, I think Michael Bamberger, former colleague of ours, has been like, frankly, he's been sharing some great thoughts about this whole thing mm-hmm. um, on on the Fire Pit Collective uh, podcast. Not to shout out <laughs> a direct competitor, but yeah, anyways, I think Bamberger, sh- yeah, Bamberger has been sharing some some pretty interesting thoughts on just how much people were supposed to grow up with dreams of being on the PGA Tour mm-hmm. and then getting there was something that was never guaranteed and it was it was an accomplishment to get there and then getting that first win was this incredible accomplishment that you actually you worked through grinds like Max Homa think about Max Homa's rise mm-hmm. Max Homa was struggling like hell to get onto the PGA Tour I a lot of PGA Tour success stories have included players that said they thought about quitting because they couldn't afford it yeah. They couldn't afford to miss three cuts out of four. Like they didn't have the money flying in. And frankly, they had accepted that they didn't deserve the money flying in mm-hmm. because they weren't playing good enough. Play better is always the line. And yeah. that's how you create these long stories of people like Max Homa, NCAA champion who worked for years and years just to get into a spot where he could become a PGA Tour champion. So I think I think that matter like deciding that 72 holes matters. Bamberger mm-hmm. again, 
will tell you. He's always you. talked about that. that three rounds is 71 few, holes five is, is not many. enough. 72 needs to be the number. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you watch a live golf tournament at this point, it was, it, it felt like a sprint. Um, and in that sense, a little bit more of an exhibition. Like, yeah, it felt like it, was, it came and went quickly. And, um, I don't know. I think I'm I'm rambling a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there... just to close the circle on like that. I think that I think that because the media are sort of establishment, and I guess now that we've been doing this for a few years, maybe we become a part of this. Um, I think that we would like to see the PGA Tour get changed instead of like disbanded or whatever, like just crushed. Um, so, and none of that is. None of this is like a financial arrangement. Like we are, we are at odds, if anything, with the PGA Tour as like, you know, well, not at odds with, that's not quite right. But there's, it's not like everyone is like, oh, you're so dependent on the PGA Tour. Like we're really not. We're, we can write about golf. People, (laughs) if people are reading about golf in different ways and different leagues and like the PGA Tour's success is not necessarily tied to our like financial standing as a company. So there, I, I think that that part of it is overblown. I think it's more honestly like the sentimental value of the whole thing and just feeling like the stuff that we've paid attention to for years, that has mattered uh, and continues to matter in a similar way. Yeah, and it will. But we got to give these people, we, we, we got to like we've we've done that thing now where we've addressed a an issue and we need to provide some sort of solution well let's talk about canada first really quick here let's run through maybe that was the solution <laughs> oh well all right it was a horrible week for the pga tour right let's not let's not dance around that they lost uh a few of their most recognized figures uh no one that is at the peak of their game right now i would say nope uh yeah i think not even not a single one but Maybe Charles Schwartz. <laughs> but when you're talking about a league that has everyone and then suddenly doesn't have a whole bunch of people, uh, that's not good. And no, it answered in the best possible manner. And by it, I mean Rory <laughs> McIlroy. I mean Justin Thomas. I mean even <clears throat> our silver medalist this week, Tony Finau, who now has a few <laughs> top fives in his last five starts after kind of disappearing for a few months. So, uh, Sean, I, I think that this week was particularly good because uh, it showed the passion of all three of these guys in the final group, Rory, JT, Finau, uh, as they were battling it out on Sunday. They all made a bunch of birdies. The worst score in that final group was 64. Um, Talk about cooking the books. The cra- I mean, yeah, if you're, one, if you're into the – if you're a conspiracy guy. <clears throat> you know, I might be. PGA Tour rigged kind of get that trending maybe (laughs) um no but seriously the fact that these guys cared as much as they did and the fact that the crowds in attendance cared as much as they did that elevated the entire experience um from a a viewing perspective we know the pga tour is not always this good but that we had three blue chippers battling it out down the stretch they were all within one shot with what two holes to play um Mm -hmm. that is pretty dreamy and then for for the absolute tour king to come out on top, Rory McIlroy, uh, it sets up what is yet to come. Because what did he say right after he won, Sean? 
He was asked how much this win means, right? That's kind of the classic win uh, post-victory question. And he said, you know, 21st career tour win, one more than someone. Yeah. That someone, of course, is Greg Norman. Rory did not say his name. He would not invoke he who should not be named. You know, PGA Tour's Voldemort is basically Greg Norman at this point. And he said that was extra incentive when he was alerted to that, that he could pull that off today and he really wanted to make it happen as a result. So, yeah, it it wasn't enough that Rory won in front of more fans that Rory won period. It was that it needed, it need, it needed to be said. It needed to be said by the PJ tours, actual leading voice. Like we might think Rory is the leading voice, but Jim Nance is the voice. Jim Nance went on the broadcast Saturday and said that Charles or that these guys had been, you know, they've betrayed the tour, mm-hmm. but betrayal, actual, words with weight jim nance and then rory's play had a lot of weight to it and then he dunked on norman and that felt a lot like a much bigger slap in the face than what jay monahan put in um the the letter suspending players so i wrote dylan oddly enough like in one of the final paragraphs of my recap that this whole week the last few months has all been about actions and reactions and there's they haven't been equal. <laughs> they have not been equal. And it felt like live golf was taking all the action through yesterday. And then this kind of felt like an actual reaction of some sort of weight. There was weight to it. Yeah. And there will be more actions and reactions this week. I'm curious to see if the USGA will say anything. We had Mike Wan on this podcast one week ago. One week Mike ago. Mike Wan couldn't yeah mike mike one week ago and he could not have been more in support of jay monahan the pga tour commissioner if you haven't heard that interview just scroll down on your podcast feed and and check it out because that was the answer that stood out to me he said for for one he kind of brought up live golf and then decried it by saying i've seen a hundred PowerPoints yeah. like this. That was a little over dismissive, <laughs> I would say, calling Live Golf a PowerPoint presentation. Pretty clearly a oh. little more than that at this point. Yes. Um, and I also think that Mike Wan was absolutely wrong when he said that they need to make money off of this eventually. The money it it only matters to the people who are receiving it. Yeah, that's um, still a TBD in my mind. But yeah, uh, the, I, this, I don't think it matters. The the lifespan of the whole thing certainly is is expanded beyond any uh, yeah. reasonable comparison. Yeah. But anyway, Mike Wan is going to have a press conference on Wednesday. He's going to have seen Phil Mickelson show up on Monday and say probably a whole lot of nothing. And he will, Mike Wan will have, it will also be asked like, what are you going to do in the future about this? Yeah. Because you are one of the stakeholders and the PGA Tour clearly can only do so much. The majors matter. You're the first one to discuss it. What are you going to do? I, I, that's honestly more of an interesting presser to me this week than Phil Mickelson's. Interesting. I want to. I just want to see. I want to see the proxy wars here, Sean. We've got Jay and Greg, sure, but they're never going to meet up. 
We're going to see no. Rory and Phil in the same <laughs> locker room. We could see them in the same tea time. Who knows? Holy that? shit. <laughs> There's no way. They put Grayson Murray <laughs> next to Kevin Na in the locker room already. The USGA would not put Bryson with Brooks last year, even when they had an out because of the last three US Open champions. They had a chance to do it, and they didn't do it. There's no way they would do that. Here's what's weird. Rory McIlroy went to Dustin Johnson's wedding, you know? Yeah. Now these dudes are on a very different side of a growing divide. And I I know Justin Thomas got a lot of uh a lot of, you know, well deserved praise for what he said about um how you know he's not writing off people because they took the money. He's not saying that they're bad dudes. Whatever. But at a certain point, this is gonna change the dynamic a whole lot. And I guess yeah, the certain you, point is maybe right DJ's now. DJ's made Rory's life a lot harder in the temporary. Yeah. Rory's not, Rory's not making DJ's any harder. It's kind of a one-way street where like the friendship there has to change slightly because the work relationship changed greatly. Yeah. Um well, I mean, so, I think for, in the dream scenario for and maybe this is how DJ is in all his relationships. Uh you know, it's that it's that Don Draper line from Mad Men where DJ's I like, "I don't even think about I, I don't you. think about you at all." Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's that's the best case scenario. But there's got to be some twinge of jealousy when you see fans ringing the 18th green like they did for Rory. So I don't know if that that changes anything in any meaningful way for the PGA Tour. It doesn't change the dollar values on the table for guys that are going to keep signing with Live Golf, uh, but. It sure did more for the PGA Tour's image than anything, including Jay Monahan's appearance on the CBS broadcast, which I thought was um, okay, I guess, and and didn't necessarily. I didn't watch it. What did Jay say? Well, he he reiterated that he felt he, with the suspensions that he handed out, he did what he had to do. Um, but you know, it it felt like he was sticking to the status quo and essentially making a status quo argument. And I think that that he's been pretty consistent with that, um, messaging by, by appearing and by not appearing. I think that's sort of, he has sort of said, look, this is who we are. We're going to let it stand for itself. I I mean, I just, I, I want to see a little bit more action. I don't really like that complacency. I would love to see PGA tour answer with like, Look, we're working hard to juice up our big events and make them even bigger because that's where that's where Liv seems to have found um, some sort of competitive advantage. Is like let's make these things a party. The PGA Tour captures that at times, but it's a little bit mm-hmm. of a confusing product for a fan that just wants to follow the schedule more so than just the majors and less than every yeah. single week. Now, you and I understand the PGA Tour's structure, its organization, its uh, its value, its assets. Might be giving I me think. too much credit, but yeah, go on. Well, we understand it a lot more than the people probably listening to this show. Not to discredit them, but you know, this is the thing we live. A lot of lawyers every single to this day. show, Sean. A lot of lawyers. <laughs> and uh, we should tell people the kind of, like, what bullets does Jay Monahan have in the chamber? What things can he use to make the PGA Tour, the status quo, a 
place that people wouldn't want to leave. A place that people, if they were suspended from, would be upset. (laughs) Yeah. And not okay with it. Um, Well, I've heard this kicked around a couple times. They got up. They got to see if they can put Tiger to work. Mm. Interesting. Right? I think DJ Pahowski said it first, and Bamberger definitely said it. Bamberger said, make Tiger your commissioner of competition. Get him involved in, like, making what matters on the course, like, pass the Tiger test. Um, Get Tiger involved to the mere extent of a three-tweet thread that says... This other tour stinks. Yeah. Tiger Tiger's word is it is truly, truly valuable. It is the reason that Rory and JT put their hands to their head in a salute for Tiger. Like it is it is one of the most valuable things in all of golf. And Tiger's kind of just said a few things at press conferences this year when really we just want to know how he's feeling. We don't care for his thoughts. Mm-hmm. Tiger, you need to volunteer these thoughts. If this is going to be a turf battle, yeah, I got to hear from he our best soldier. Is Tiger interested in having this role? I think things have gotten so real in the last week that he has to have some sort of interest. Tiger Woods, man, maybe if he wants the like the eighty third victory, he said, "Y'all can go to live. I'll just get out yeah. here and slap it around and get that that tour record." Um, no, Tiger has has supported this since day one, the PGA Tour. He has he has not been involved in any talks with Liv, and if that matters to him, if if like if his legacy aligning with the tour is becomes like a second thought in the world of pro golf, because suddenly we've pivoted to fifty four hole tournaments. I don't, I don't know if that's like yeah. a ridiculous thing to say. Like he should come out and speak about it, man. Let's talk about these other PGA tour bullets that you're mentioning, <laughs> because I think you're right about Tiger. Um, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I mean, a lot of it's money related, right? It's, it's, uh, I mean, actual PGA tour purses, obviously if Jay can find a, you know, some more nickels between the couch cushions, that would be helpful, especially for some of the bigger events. But also, it's control of some of these PGA Tour pals, some of the sponsors, your Grant Thorntons, your Optums, your Rocket Mortgages, these companies that seem to glom onto certain tour stars, and some of that happens through the PGA Tour. Um, and then you see when they leave, RBC is like, sorry, guys, we're good. So there's yeah. definitely that. Um. The schedule needs to ch- needs a change for sure. The tour is working on that. They're trying to create a fall series where the best 50 players in the world can, or well, the top 50 players in the FedEx Cup um, will compete. There'll be team aspects to it. There'll be big purses. It'll be an international series and there'll be no pressure to play the other PGA Tour events. The Sanderson Farms, right. the Houston Open, the whatever i forget other events the she's so dismissive good people at sanderson <laughs> well be upset. you know what well, i'm just as i'm just as dismissive as the other top 50 people in the fedex here's Cup. the thing so so the yeah you finish the tour time. is 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 working on the schedule yes they don't have the freedom 
the autonomy and uh, the contract freedom, you know, to, to do it quickly. Like they, they cannot do it quickly. Events are locked into a certain yeah. week of the year. You're right. A lot of that's it, difficult and it would at least take a ton of extra work and renegotiating to change some of those details. If Liv wanted to, to, to change its schedule tomorrow, it could. Yes. If they wanted to change their purse by a factor of two, they could. That's the, that's the thing. It, it's, it's like a big business competing um, on like with a niche business only in that niche business's little corner of the market. It's like it, sometimes it's a little bit harder to compete with something when they are so nimble. Live is nimble and loaded. Sean, I don't remember much from the two economics classes I took in college, but I do remember a little something called leapfrogging. And that's kind of where like your existing institutions can hold you back. And I'm thinking of it as I look down at my laptop keyboard where the letters for some reason are not in sequence. I think it's something having to do with the typewriter. Can't remember why, but at no point is <laughs> well, it going to be convenient to redo every <clears throat> single keyboard to just have them in order A through Z because everyone is so used to this way. But Dylan, I'm so glad you brought this up. Do you remember I wrote a column about active inertia? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah. Spelled this whole thing out in various ways a couple months ago where it's like, it is extremely hard to turn around a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's super easy to turn around a speedboat. Yeah. Might not have as many people on board. People might get tossed off a little bit easier, but it's a lot easier to turn that thing around and pivot getting deep in the analogies it's only fitting that tiger woods is not (laughs) going to be there this week because um this is in some ways the uh really weird extension of the pga tour that he has built it's almost like he helped build this thing up to the point where you know he he helped make guys millionaires and now i can't can't do it anymore (laughs) he helped make guys so much i can do and now their status raised to the point where they're going off and getting paid tens of millions of dollars just to appear because now they have, you know, elevated yeah. to that status. The PGA Tour that Tiger built has now exceeded even the PGA Tour. And Phil Mickelson is his arch nemesis is partly the guy that did it. And his some of his disciples, Bryson DeChambeau, Tiger's buddy, his practice round. That's why this thing it's is like, like a superhero movie. It's it's weird, Maybe and there's Tiger's a lot of, there's a lot of twists and turns and awkward dynamics to the <laughs> whole thing, and it's going to be pretty entertaining um, to follow to to see. I I think the none of it's simple. I guess that's my overarching takeaway. None of it's simple. The Saudi stuff is not simple. It, there's an interesting read actually on <laughs> golf.com today where uh, Josh Sens talked to an ethics professor about you know whether you should feel good or bad about rooting for these people rooting for phil watching the live tour in general and how that aligns with your morals that was pretty interesting um and you know the the people saying oh what about china it sort of addresses some of that stuff too. yes yes you can't explain it away with one thing yeah that's what i want to say um i interrupted you but like my mentions this entire weekend were filled with people trying to explain this complex beast away in one thing. Well, Dylan, if you were paid 3x to be a writer for, you know, 
fakegolf.com or something like that. Why wouldn't you take it? Yeah. Well, it's like, well, it's not, it's not as easy as something as three X a salary. It, it cannot be. It, it, <laughs> if it's you thorny. want me to break yeah. down the checklist of why it's not, we can, but it cannot be explained away as simple as competition or purse sizes or finding their market value. It can't be. And if anyone that listens to this podcast wants to slide into my mentions, be Feel fine. Free. I won't be paying attention. <laughs> I won't be paying attention to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's $40 million and there's $40 million and there, there are complications to uh, different sources of money. And even taking the morality argument out of this, there is a certain hassle and uh, awkwardness that comes to, you know, taking this money uh, that comes to being involved in the new league. And it's just, it's, it's a strange thing to think that when you ask guys how they would like to improve the PGA tour, a lot of the time they didn't really have a great answer for a, for a while because the PGA tour was what they wanted to play. That was the dream. It existed. It was the highest level of professional golf. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of improving on something that guys didn't really consciously know how they wanted to be improved, except that they wanted to make more money. Now there's some more money to be had. Uh, you know, it's all come full circle and you can, you can toot your own horn next. if you want to. What about, what's that? Well, the work that you did this week from a lot. Oh, I wrote about the premier golf away. league. <laughs> Man, if you're not sick of reading about the premier golf league, I, I chatted with, uh, with our pal, Andy Gardner at the PGL. I don't know if he's our pal, but he's a, Nice British bloke with a very don't know him. clever idea for uh, improving professional golf. I mean, where I have continued to stand on this thing is that if there's an improved version of the PGA Tour with a bunch of elevated events, and maybe, Sean, the Toronto market showed that the Canadian Open could be one of those uh, international events that deserves elevation, that's the best path forward that preserves some of the things that people already love about professional golf um, and also makes it so that some of these things are really mega events and the rest is yeah. just good stuff for sickos or for things for, for people to tune in on Sunday afternoons. So we've gone pretty deep on this podcast, but that would is what I would discuss is the last asset, the last bullet. Yes. In I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring chamber. it up. You go ahead. May, well, mainly like I see PGL involvement as an addendum to the PGA tour dropping its 501 C six nonprofit status. This isn't as I don't want to simplify it because it cannot be simple, <laughs> but it cannot be as daunting as something completely new because other pro sports leagues have gone down this path and have showed Jay Monahan exactly the, the issues you would have to deal with in order to pay all these taxes, but also have different injections of, of extreme wealth and yeah. private equity money, which is what your boy Andy Gardner is promising mm -hmm. equity, um, equity that could help compete on some elevated level with the Saudi league. And so I see those things kind of hand in hand and like, maybe it's a, maybe it's, you know, he's got two guns in his hand. He's got two chambers <laughs> and he just fires them off at the same time. Um, but 
Yeah. I mean, there, there could be a future. If you look at live golf and ha- having players wear ha- like team hats and whatnot, like these are, these are really like our fake teams that they just kind of created out of nowhere with fake mottos and kind of bizarre, you know, clip art logos. Wait, quick sidebar on this. Are the teams staying the same? Do you understand this? No. <laughs> well, like the, are they redrafting the, them? Like, yeah. Every week? <laughs> well, not every week. Every, every tournament? tournament? The Majestics will stay the same. And according to Louis Oosthuizen, he would love to keep Henny Duplessis on his team, but Henny's got to work through some visa issues this before is he like, can get to Portland. This is anarchy. This is like, this is yeah, what, not this real. is what, this is what uh, some of those people with horrible college football takes think that NIL is. <laughs> Anyways, my... I've talked to people at the tour. Uh, I've read enough about what a nonprofit can and cannot do. If, if you drop the status, you can have people walking around the RBC Canadian open wearing RBC team gear with McElroy streamed across the back because RBC has bought in to own a team, a franchise, a golf franchise. And you know what? Their first overall pick, the dude who keeps winning in Canada, Rory McElroy, you're on our team. We're going to pay you a ton of money. Rory, you're going to make more money than you could have ever imagined yep. on the PGA Tour. The PGL format is going to shrink the schedule. There's still going to be plenty of events for guys on the Corn Ferry Tour, guys that are ranked 100th in the world. Um, but there's going to be an injection of money because people are going to buy up RVC squad shirts in the same way they buy up Liverpool football club shirts. Yeah. Like that, that that's the dream. It is. Of- yeah. It's sick to think about <laughs> in the same way that again, back to F1, you get, you would probably get a Callaway team and a tailor made team and, and you'd have some of the yeah, other teams no would source equipment or, or, you know, guys would, could probably stay independent, but people would get on board with versions of that but yeah the the fireballs i think i don't know we'll see maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe that's going to catch on and i'm just really not giving it time and and clearly there is an appetite for some of this but i think that there's a way that, that the pga tour could do it even better <laughs> for sure that that i would say is um live golf put itself out there in a very corny way like they elevated this team thing that they didn't have to do they could just host invitationals with individuals but their thing is like trying to make sure that they are recognized as a team competition as well 25 percent of the purse goes to the teams and in order to do that we got to force these team things out there we got to have 12 captains doing this kind of like extremely hype hoopla draft and we got to force martin keimer into captaining the cliques yeah, you know, and and he, who even knows if Martin Keimer is going to be able to play all of these events. Mm. Martin Keimer is going to maybe be be the center of a battle between the DP World Tour and uh, its members. So it, it it that was the hokiness of Live Golf that I felt is a weakness, like a a, a place where they could be exposed is the fact that they they had like 20 to 25 word explanations for stingers gc and majestic <laughs> yeah, gc I saw that. and uh in a single word they are very hokey 
that's that's it. Couple final notes from me, Sean. One is uh, Rory McIlroy played really, really incredible golf today. Um, Tony Finau played mostly very good golf. Had a really fun putt on the 18th green. Justin Thomas also deserves major props. Justin Rose. Oh man, I don't know how many people have ever made bogey to shoot 60. Bogey on the 18th hole to shoot 60, but also worth noting. But Sean, my final thought is that TV contracts really matter. Um, yeah, they stink. Well, sure, but in this case, I know that they matter. The PGA Tour having these rights deals is a major asset because I don't know what percentage of people it is, but the people that are not consuming golf via Twitter and, you know, staying up to date on all the latest twists and turns in the golf world, but just like to have it as part of their routine to settle in on Sunday afternoon, turn on the golf, Take a little nap, flip on to C- flip on CBS or NBC, um, and just take it in. That's a pretty sizable part of your demographic. And sure enough, it's, when you turn huge. on CBS, there's Rory McIlroy on the PGA Tour this week. Yeah, the viewership numbers for the tour will always dwar- dwarf. Live so long as Live doesn't have a broadcast partner, and even when you know that's still going to be the case, um, it's it's an asset, as you said. It's it's so damn far from perfect. It will never be perfect, so we don't even need perfect. But we need. I know other podcasts really harp on this, but holy cow! Eighteenth hole, seventy second hole of the event. Rory hits his tee shot. He's got two guys that are two shots back, two world-class players, and they go to a split screen, not even a split screen, but, you know, what, what I don't even forget, forget what it's called, like watching playing through. through or play, playing through. You blocked it out. <laughs> yeah, and suddenly, suddenly I had turned away from my computer. I was doing something else in the room, and I wanted to just be able to hear if... Jim Nance could describe Tony Finau's tee shot, but nope. There was an ad with David Faraday talking about this or that, <laughs> screaming at me through my computer while Tony Finau tries to make birdie on the final hole. And the same thing happened to Justin Thomas trying to make birdie from the tee on the final hole of this tournament. And that has to be fixed. I feel bad because you and I aren't going to fix it. You're going to get people all riled up at the end of the podcast here. Good. Call your local TV producers. And you know what, Sean? If anyone's earned the ability to be riled up, it's you because it is 1241 a.m. where you are, which means we should let you go. Uh, Also, there's a bunch more drop zone coming to you from Boston this week. Sean, do you want to? No. Maybe we'll phone in your U.S. Open pick. I don't want to put you on the spot right now. Uh, Cam Smith. Oh, Cam Smith's gonna Cam Smith's gonna win the U.S. Open, and then he's gonna go play Portland. <laughs> That's a. I wonder if you can parlay that. <laughs> Pretty good odds. Yeah. All right, yeah. you heard it here first, folks. Cam Smith, the Aussie, is gonna pull off the rare double. <laughs> uh, the one of one of a kind. This has been The Drop Zone. I'm Dylan DeChair. He's Sean Zock from Scotland. Uh, head to radmoregolf.com. Use your code DROPZONE for 25% off. Head to golf.com and sign up for Inside Golf. And 
man, we're going to have some good stuff from Brookline this week. So stay tuned. Watch this space. Head to golf.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday.